I recall being pulled in a lot of different directions. And I know that as many of you that are listening, you know, whatever role that you have, you wear several hats, right? The job description is not a box. It's who needs this and where can I contribute and all of those things. And you do get pulled in a lot of different directions and trying to make sure that you're making everybody else around you feel held and understood and supported. Welcome to the Managing Made Simple podcast where I bring a decade of experience working in some of the most influential companies in tech to help you navigate the ins and outs of being a people manager. From conflicts to feedback to delegating and more, we will leave no stone unturned when it comes to what makes us love managing, kind of hate it, and everything in between. Doesn't matter if you're a new manager looking for some tips or a seasoned manager looking to up their game, everyone is welcome to hang out with Managing Made Simple. Let's go. As a team leader or business owner, you're no stranger to wrestling with some of the toughest situations that come up as a manager. But sometimes you need a little bit more support and you don't have the time to spend researching on the internet or taking a bunch of canned trainings. That is why I am so excited to share the Managing Made Simple Hub, your one-stop shop to everything you need to be a great manager. The Hub is an interactive community offering a monthly live Q&A Ask Me Anything call where you can bring up anything that's top of mind along with curated resources and tools, monthly challenges, exclusive discounts on my services, and conversations with experts. Best thing is, there's no long-term commitment and you can hop in and out anytime. Sign up today at leahgarvin.com hub, and I cannot wait to see you in our next live Q&A session. Welcome back to the show. Today, I am so excited to have Bridget Boucher with me. Bridget is a fractional CFO, speaker, and author, and she takes a soulful approach to money, which has helped hundreds of business owners simplify their numbers so they can confidently build aligned financial strategies. And Bridget and I were introduced through mutual friend, Christina Bartold, who is a future guest coming on this show in a couple of weeks. And we immediately hit it off around our shared passion for helping businesses thrive. So I could not be more excited to have her on the show. Welcome. Thank you. So good to be here. So I want to dive right in. I mean, as a fractional CFO, you have a window into where people make some great decisions and where people probably make some not so great decisions, right? Financially and with other things. Like, where do you see some of the struggles around management come to the surface for folks in the work you do? Yeah. You know, I've been working with entrepreneurs for the last several years. I am an entrepreneur, so I really understand all of the things that can come up in business. And because every decision you make in your business has a financial impact in some way, shape or form, I get a lot of experience with this. And so, you know, you can imagine that I think all business owners make decisions with good intentions, right? In the moment, whether it's impulsive, the shiny object syndrome. But where I think I see the struggle most often is not thinking in the long term. How is this going to impact in the long term? This might be a really great decision in the moment, but have I looked at what my business is doing from a number standpoint, from a cash flow standpoint, from a resources standpoint? And, you know, making those decisions without some of that visibility is where it can get into, you know, a little bit of a struggle and everything's fixable. But that would be where I would start is just not having really all of the clarity to make a confident financial decision. Yeah. And I think folks listening that are in the corporate world, too, I think this really shows up there, making maybe hiring decisions that are based on the need right now or the skill set you need today, as opposed to, you know, do you have the bandwidth to cultivate, develop those team members into maybe the skills they're going to need in the future? Or, you know, what is like Q2, 3, 4 look like as opposed to just Q1's needs? And I think, yeah, that thinking for the right now and making decisions, like you say, whether it's a financial or a hiring or a team organization one can really get us in trouble. Yeah, it's interesting. I just, yesterday, I'm facilitating a strategic planning for the upcoming year 
which is 2024. And I'm doing that with a larger company, right? So there's a lot of resources. There's a lot of people. There's different levels of management, senior level, mid-level, there's team. And I really commend them for bringing me in, you know, as we record this, it's September and we're, we're looking ahead to next year. What's happening in the market? What is happening internally? What are some things that, you know, we have to look forward to? Like, let's set a solid foundation so that when, not if, the economic environment changes, consumer behavior changes, turnover, which can be inevitable. When all that happens, we've got a solid enough foundation to be nimble. And I think that's what's really important about business owners at all levels, whether you've got large teams, small teams, being able to be adaptive. And you can really only do that once you have a foundation for your plan. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's where I see a lot of, you know, sort of a plan that doesn't have a ton sort of all the pieces in place. I mean, that's where I think probably you and I come into the picture with a lot of folks is like, you have the vision, you have the what and the why, but the how is where I see so many folks get stuck. And, you know, from an operations standpoint is where I dive in, you from a financial, but, you know, I'm so curious, like, what are some of the connections you see building on that between financial and operations, like healthy financial, healthy team operations, unhealthy, you know, what shows up? Oh gosh. If you hear nothing else on this podcast, I want to make this connection for you. It's minutes are money. Okay. Mm. Minutes are money. So when Leah talks about operations and efficiencies and systems and workflows and delegation and all the things that are the inner workings of the business, you know, your profit is essentially the efficiency of your business. And if your operations aren't efficient, if you've got broken processes or you're recreating the wheel or people aren't properly trained or you're investing in team and they are leaving, right? The turnover factor. Those are all things that are costing you money. You might not see a line on the P&L that says inefficiency, but it's there. And so getting your operations running smoothly will allow you to do several things. First of all, retain employees. A happier employee is one that feels structure, that feels held, that understands their performance and how it's measured. You know, the workflow and the operation will also help you turn clients, you know, keep the client experience elevated and therefore take on more clients because you're not having to always, you know, recreate that. And so all of those things kind of are drivers to the ultimate financial results. You know, you change your operational activities, you change your results. Absolutely. I love that so much. I mean, it's funny. I had a a client that worked in the wellness space and she was struggling with seeing a declining rate of people rebooking services. And I think when you don't have all operational pieces figured out, there's a lot of assumptions and you start thinking, oh, it's one thing, like people don't like our services anymore, or we have the wrong, you know, services, wrong products. But actually, as we started to figure out some of our operations, we saw it was actually just the missing piece of her team members reminding people to rebook. And so she had great feedback on the services. Clients are really happy. They just walked out the door and didn't realize to rebook. And then a lot of time would pass, people would be busy. And so I think as you call out, another reason we need to have our, our operations figured out, our SOPs protocols, like, okay, who is responsible for asking about rebooking? Who is responsible for, you know, delegating this responsibility? Whatever it looks like, so that we don't make assumptions and solve the wrong problems. Because mm-hmm. in her place, we set this expectation that, hey, anybody that interacts with a client, whether it's person walking them to the room, performing a service, checking them out, Everyone has to ask about rebooking. And we saw the rebooking rates shoot up. If we had thought, oh no, it's our services are bad, our employees are bad, like we would have been solving the wrong problems. 
Yes, misdiagnosing that problem, like looking at the wrong data. And also, you know, in the numbers standpoint, I love how this kind of segues into it because from a numbers standpoint, you could just, if you're just looking at a top line number, so say you're just looking at revenue, for example, and you're using that as a metric. Well, what if clients are declining and coming in? There's an attrition, right? But there's new clients, but you're staying the same. So you're actually masking a problem because you're thinking it's revenue staying steady, but you're actually losing as many clients as you're coming in and what's going to stop that. And so it's really important that you dig deep into the operational layers and then the financial layers as well, because you have to go a different level of depth in order to uncover what that root of that problem is. So that is a great example in all fronts of all business operations, finance, and probably even more than that. Yeah, absolutely. And so what are some of the, you know, challenges that you, or I guess, what are some of the first challenges you typically uncover with a business as you're diving in? Yeah. So, you know, it's a great question. You know, my business partner, Amanda and I, when we are introduced to a client, for example, we do an initial financial assessment because we just need to, we need to get in there and say, what are your numbers actually telling us about your business? And as after the assessment, we get on and we do some strategy calls and we do some in-person and deep diving. And most often there is such a shift that's needed around their financial, like their money story. So mm. we all have a money story, right? We've all grown up with certain, you know, perceptions or experiences or expectations around money. And when you become a business owner, it's really amplified because there's just so much more at stake, right? It's yeah. source. Your business funds your life. You might employ people, which is their livelihood. And it just, you know, kind of amplifies that. So getting with the business owner and understanding what their money, their patterns have been, where they get tripped up. A lot of times pricing, for example, that feeling of unworthiness or imposter syndrome, or, you know, maybe I'm actually not sure what it costs me to put this out there. So I'm, I'm underpricing myself. Those are some emotional sides of finances that I find um, with a lot of people. I work with a lot of women, a lot of female founders, not all women, but those are some of the patterns that I start to uncover is, you know, not to put all women in a a similar box because many of us are, and more of us thankfully are becoming financially empowered, but we might not have been in that position growing up or in our relationships. And it's really just taking the reins and saying, you built this you're generating a shit ton of revenue. Let's make that money work for you and really having them own it yeah, I want to step into that next level leader. I want to feel confident around my money and my finances. I actually need to own and celebrate what I've built so far. You know, I'm one of few, but all in all, you know, the female population of millionaires is growing and growing and growing. And I'm grateful that you and I are both part of this time and this season, because we have really just been able to witness and become part of the growing population of, you know, wealth building entrepreneurs, females, you know, it's an exciting time, even though we're coming out of a crazy time. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's so true. I think you can get so fixated on what's next and I need to grow and I need to get the next thing. But like you say, when you celebrate what you've accomplished and what you've done today and really like live in that gratitude state. I mean, I see like that's the key to abundance, right? I mean, it sounds a little bit cliche, but the more you recognize and you don't live in this, I got to chase the next thing where you miss what's going on in the now and you miss maybe some of the clues that help you see what you need to keep doing. I think we can have so much information overload and all these things and we see everybody, you know, doing great things around like, you know, what we see on LinkedIn and and the sort of, you know, fake realities we see on 
Instagram and we feel less, you know, no matter what you're doing in your business or as a leader in big companies, like we always kind of compare and feel like, well, I could always be doing more. And it's awesome if you practice professional and personal development, we all do. And recognizing what you're doing, you know, what you've achieved, celebrating your employees as well. I think I talk a lot about the importance of recognition and appreciation, because just as you say that kind of getting that story and that confidence for yourself, managers and leaders really have an opportunity to cultivate that for their team members. Mm -hmm. And by saying, I know, and right? <laughs> like, and we can make that shift for folks. I think a lot of people are frustrated, employees are frustrated with pay and they're not growing as fast as they want. And there's like all these things. And as a manager, it's like, whoa, like slow down and you'll get there in time. But that also, that angst can also be a product of a lack of recognition. And we don't even know how to appreciate it because everyone else is asking us to do the next thing. Yeah. You know, I grew up in corporate. <laughs> so I spent at least 15 years in corporate environments managing multi-teams. I was, you know, a corporate CFO before I became on my own, a fractional CFO. Yeah. And I recall being pulled in a lot of different directions. And I know that as many of you that are listening, you know, whatever role that you have, you wear several hats, right? The job description is not a box. It's who needs this and where can I contribute? and all of those things. And you do get pulled in a lot of different directions and trying to make sure that you're making everybody else around you feel held and understood and supported. Well, there might not feel like there's anybody that's doing that for you. And so really making sure that you have the appropriate community in place, whether that's a mentor, um, an accountability partner, a coach, a yeah. boss, potentially, it really could be anybody in your life that is your safe space. And a lot of times I imagine Leah as well, like we become that for business owners yeah. because they are doing all of these things to bring their mission to life in the world. And sometimes, you know, that they need the support and yeah. your CFO and your COO and people that come and kind of contribute to your leadership team really should be able to walk through this journey with you because we're on it too, right? Yeah. To a degree, it's just a lot easier for us to look at another person's business without the emotion that we have assigned to our, our yeah, own. Yeah, absolutely. And so diving more into that, like we, you kind of start by identifying, uncovering the money story. And, you know, as you said, a lot of people have, we probably, it's socialized from when we're young and whatever, a lot of it comes from family, things like that. And like, how do you help people make a shift from maybe they're feeling that scarcity, maybe they're feeling that never enough or that comparison with other folks around them. Like what, what are some of the tools you use to get people out of that mode? Yeah, it's a really great question. It comes over time, right? It's like any shift of behavior. It's about making those shifts consistently. One of the biggest ones is language. And so oftentimes, you know, we will get on a discovery call with someone and they're just like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous, right? Like I, I joke that the finances, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, I just gave you the password to my financial system and now you can see into my soul, right? Like yeah. that's how it feels. It just feels so heavy. I always say like, it's like you're standing in front of someone just like naked. Oh my yeah. gosh. Any decision I've ever made, you're going to see, is it good? Is it bad? And I, am I okay? And then by the end of it, our goal is to make you feel like you want to go streaking. <laughs> the level of I love this. Yeah. And comfort. And so language is a big thing that comes up a lot of times is, I don't know my numbers. I'm not good with money. I haven't been making the best decisions or whatnot like that. So we yeah. always change it and say, you know, for example, if it says, I, I don't know my numbers. We say, yet. Mm. Let's shift it. I'm learning my numbers. I have now brought in people who can help me narrow the gap between where I feel financially like less confident now to financially confident. And I'm on that journey and I'm owning that journey. The other thing is just, you know, getting the numbers in front of somebody to be able to say, here's kind of some of the things we look at simplifying it, right? Yeah. Tying it to the actual, like the energy of money, the good that you can do in the world. 
You know, we yeah. talked about employing somebody, you're giving somebody a job, uh, their livelihood so that they can go and do the things that they want to do in their life. And just shifting those conversations to one of you are building something that is mission driven, that is on your heart for a reason. And look what you've done so far without this guidance and support. Now you have us. We're just like your yeah. big sisters, right? Like you have us now. What can you do when you put some mustard into it, right? Yes. And getting them excited about the potential and the possibility of what their businesses can actually do. And furthermore, yeah. not what your business can actually do, but also what you can do then for yourself, for your family, for your future, for whatever it is that lights you up. We really start with what matters to you? Yeah. What are you hoping to aspire? Do you have any trips coming up? How do we make sure your machine, your business is running so that even if it's seven months down the road and you're like, I plan to go on this three week trip. Okay. What needs to happen now in your business? Let's yeah. reverse engineer it so that you can step out of that and be present wherever you are and wherever you're going. A lot of times it'd be like, a, Oh, my daughter's graduating. Yeah. Great. Okay. Let's simulate it. What if you literally popped out right now? Yeah. And you can see this a lot with operations and it's the same thing on the financial side, which is why Leah and I, you know, jive so well because we, we see and solve a lot of, you know, similar problems in different yeah. ways through our own individual lenses and experiences, which is what I think is really powerful, y'all, for having fractional support. We have so much experience in different industries with different behavioral patterns, with different circumstances, and you get all that value of all that experience in one person and you don't have the full-time cost. So I think that I really have enjoyed this process of being fractional because I wasn't always. And I think Leah, you can, you can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, it's so funny as you called out, I use a similar framing for the work I do with teams through the ops playbook around, you know, if we're talking about simplifying operations, it's really about time savings. Like you're talking about what would you do with that money? I, I talk in a similar way about, you know, when you become a business owner, often for people, it's for freedom. So you don't have a boss telling you what to do. And then and then you have less freedom. You have less time than you ever had before. You're glued to your emails. You can't step away. You're afraid to look at your emails. You're afraid to look at your bank statements with you. For me, it's like, I'm afraid to look at my calendar. I'm afraid to look at my emails. And so, by like you say, by shifting away from some of these, this terminology, like I would say, I, I try to, I always speak in terms of how we can simplify, as you said. I talk about, you know, rethinking what we mean by process. Process from has such a negative connotation because we think it means I'm going to be corporate, bureaucratic, all this micromanaging. And actually, it's like, it's the only way that we can simplify is that we have to know what we're going to, like the repeatable steps. And so, okay, we don't want to say process. Let's say, what is the tool? What's the repeatable step? What's the system? Mm -hmm. And then by creating that and showing people it's so much simpler than you think, like it's about having a weekly meeting to all be clear on what's the most important priority. Or it's about having an agenda in your meetings or tracking all your work in the same tool. Those simple shifts, like you say, minutes are money, that saves you hours and hours every single week, which will translate to thousands of dollars in your business. Because when we're wasting time, like you said, searching through Google Drive for that document, and then we end up recreating it, and then everyone's confused because there's three different versions of the document. Like that kind of thing costs a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I mean, and so, you know, talking about enjoying our time, enjoying our life, I wanted to ask, you know, if you can share more strategies that you share with your clients around achieving. Yeah. You know, uh, you kind of touched on this earlier. I'm glad we're circling back to this because, you know, uh, 
several of us are very, you know, invested in personal development and professional growth, and we see the connection between the two. And one of the things that I do, you know, see a lot is people trying to get to that next level. Because you're in a room with these really big thinkers and doers and, yeah. and wow, am I doing enough, right? Am I scaling enough? What's the next sexiest, you know, seven figure, multi seven figure? What is that yeah. metric that I want to hit? And what I have to really recalibrate with people is, you know, first of all, does that suit the lifestyle? Does that support the lifestyle? Because you can scale a business and I can build you a model that can show you you can scale a business. But at some point, there's a tipping point of burnout if you don't have the systems and the support in place to be able to scale it responsibly and abundantly. And so what I tell people is no revenue goal is ever worth your piece because I've done it, right? If I go into a mastermind and I'm here at this revenue level and then I think, well, by the end of it, I should be here. And the reality is the inner workings of the business, what I'm offering, how I'm serving, who I'm serving, what systems I have in place, how many times I have to quote unquote touch a process or a client's, you know, workload or whatnot, and really getting to that and saying, well, how can I do things more efficiently so that I know that I've got some white space in my week to be able to do something that lights me up or to be creative or, you know, to do, I, I call it my feel my best list. Love it's that. something that I, I kind of have a list so that I, I encourage you all to make one of these. I actually have a worksheet for it in my book, um, but it's feel my best list. So like, you know, so from examples, when I, going for a walk, right. Um, going, um, working out, you know, phoning a friend, those kinds of things. It yeah. doesn't have to be something that's really, it's, it can be free or it can be going to get a massage or, you know, whatever it is. I encourage you to have a list of that that you can pick from a menu at any time you have white space because sprinkling those activities in your week, it will actually recharge you. So that mm-hmm. whole life work kind of, I call it the profitable business while living a fuller life, mm. the money model, if you will. Um, <laughs> those are the kind of things that I have been able to recalibrate over the years as I find myself getting drawn into that comparison or what's that next level. And, you know, by nature, me climbing the corporate ladder and being my gold star chaser self, I always say I've been really driven by accomplishment, but sometimes to a fault, mm. you know, I, I made CFO by, by 30 And that was phenomenal. And I loved it. And I was so proud. And I was just, it was everything I ever wanted, right? Until it wasn't. And a couple years in, I thought, oh my gosh, I've got to recalibrate this. The business and the company didn't change. I'm changing. And as a result of that, I owe it to myself to really look at my life and look at my business and look at my skill set and say, how can I maybe repackage this, you know, in order to do it in a different way? Now, I gave you that story in about 60 seconds. That was probably three or four years of a journey. <laughs> don't think yeah. that I just woke up, quit my corporate job, figured out how to do what I'm doing now. Yeah. The journey itself is where the growth has really happened. You know, and yeah. I think that's what I really want people to know is you could look at what I've done right now and what I'm doing and think that that was just, whoa, must be nice, right? Because I'm just sitting here grateful that I didn't give up that I tried, that I failed, that I found the support that I needed, that I got the clarity that I needed. It's all part of the journey. It's all part of the story. Everything that you're doing right now is priming you for the next step, even if you don't know what it is yet. 
Yes, I love that so much because right now, I think a lot of folks are thinking about a career pivot or a pivot in their business or, you know, I really fulfilled in what I'm doing. And I love that framing. I share that as well with folks when, you know, talking about, you know, how to use your story as additive, right? It's not like you throw away all of your background, right? I was coaching someone last year who he was a lawyer and he didn't like being a lawyer. He didn't want to do that anymore and he wanted to make a career pivot. And he said he felt like he was starting over. And I was like, well, all the work and schooling and like, you know, everything that you went, that went into being a lawyer, that is actually very valuable. That shows that you're a problem solver, you're analytical, you can, you know, you're tenacious, you can do hard things, whatever it is. Like that's part of the story we want to apply to the next thing. Or whether it's, you know, re-energizing you're on the same thing. And I think when we are thinking about, I haven't achieved this yet, or I'm starting so new, or, you know, this is an area I need to develop, I don't know anything. It's like, bring all the stuff that like made you who you are, all your superpowers, all your wins, all the education, whatever it is, that's all part of your story. And that's what makes you unique and why you'll be able to differentiate yourself. Yeah, it's your secret sauce. So one of the things that I love to share with people is this kind of comparison of what makes you credible isn't what makes you incredible. Mm, I love that. And what I mean by that is we all have resumes, we all have professional work experience. Maybe we have some letters behind our name. But that is not the secret sauce. What makes you incredible is your style, the way you make people feel, you know, how you solve a problem, your personal experiences, your vulnerabilities. Those are the things when you pull it all in together that are going to call in your people. You know, I did a Google search when I was doing research for the book and I was like fractional CFO and I don't even remember the figure. It was like (laughs) one 3.6 million, like for the search, the results that came up in less than a second, right? Now I could look at that and be like, well, shit, nobody needs me. There's all these people out there. Why, you know, it's saturated, right? Apply this to your own industry. But like for me, I was like, I actually use that as fuel. And here's why. Number one, my services are in demand. Number two, we might have the same resume, but we certainly don't have the same style. And, you know, number three, that just gives me like the empowerment to be able to say, how do I actually shed the layers that have made me kind of feel like I was in a societal box because these are my credentials, this is my title, this is my work experience. How do I actually bust out of that box, wave my weird flag and have people come running? Because now I have actually aligned client relationships and I didn't always have that. I really didn't. I thought I did, but now that I have them, I'm like, oh, sister, you were not quite aligned. You were still yeah. half corporate, half entrepreneur. Yeah. And the more that I shed and the more layers that I let fall to the ground and the more that I use my authentic voice and share these stories, the more that I find that energetic alignment, not just within myself, but with the people that are coming my way. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And that's when you do better work, right? And then you, then you feel fulfilled in the work because when you're not in that alignment, it's it feels like you still have the job where you're, you know, beholden to someone else's needs and, and yeah, requests. And whatever. People. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about the book. Please share about the book. You know, I know it came out this week. So share where, a little bit about it, where folks can find it, all the good stuff. Yeah, she's here. Okay. <laughs> so the book is called Money Queen. And it is your guide, your simple financial framework for the soulful entrepreneurs to do what I said earlier, which is run a profitable business while living a fuller life. And I've been so excited to get this book into the world. And, you know, kind of as you've listened to this, you know, you'll understand why I could not have written this book three, four years ago. I was still real in it. And I hadn't worked with the number of hundreds of entrepreneurs that I've worked with 
up into this point to even really mm-hmm. understand some of these patterns, to understand yeah. what might trip you up, to develop some really sought after strategies around pricing and cash flow management and you know, creating, you know, the rituals that you would need to do on a monthly basis to really change that money story and become more financially confident and empowered. And so I wanted to create something that you could read on a four to five hour flight that you could put in your bag and take to the beach or the pool that would be kind of your little, your, your money guide. And there's accompanying resources for it. It's really designed to be able to give you a fresh look at a simplified approach to to managing money. So I'm thrilled. It's my first book that I've ever written. So that's an experience in itself. Um, But I I can tell you that the clarity that it gave me and the ability to be able to speak about it and share it with audiences like Leah's has just been the most rewarding and exciting thing because I just know that I can help more people this way. Yes, absolutely. Well, I ordered mine. I am so excited and I will put where to get it in the show notes, but folks listening, where can they pick it up? You can get it on Amazon and as well as my website, which is BridgetBoucher.com. Awesome. Cool. And so how else can folks, I mean, I'm guessing it's the website, but you know, what are some of the services that you offer folks want to work with you? You know, what are some of the ways in which you work with companies? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I share a lot on Instagram on at Bridget Boucher, and that is where, you know, you can find a lot of the services. Typically what we do is I have a team, we manage the financials, um, CFO and financial services for scaling entrepreneurs. So multi-six to seven-figure entrepreneurs, we do our signature program as a money mapping experience, which is just exactly like it sounds. It's 60 to 90 days, depending on how quickly you want it done. Financial assessment, strategy, forecasting, you get to leave with a money map. I mean, how cool is that? Um, And then we provide ongoing services and support because numbers are fluid. They're always moving. Um, We like to help celebrate with you to be able to forecast. Maybe your business is funding a new home purchase, or maybe you're looking to relocate or expand or, you know, it's just, it's really exciting the potential of um, your finances. And my business partner, Amanda, and I just love to be part of that. We get really invested, really stoked and really excited to work with our business owners to start to shed a little light in a place that might have felt dark before, which tends to be sometimes money. So yeah, we're really pumped about that. All the, all the services can be found on my website at bridgeboucher.com. Awesome. Well, I am so excited to read Money Queen and dive more into the money map. I mean, I think all of us could use that. So it seems like that's the perfect place to start. Um, and, and for us to wrap, I would love, you know, anything you want to leave folks with before, before we end, any last piece of advice for, for business owners or leaders? Yeah, I think, you know, if you're sitting out here listening and you felt called to improve your financial situation, I want, to, I want you to really just give yourself the permission that nothing about waiting to get a hold of your money and your finances is going to make you more worthy than you are today. So save yourself the time and whatever, you know, emotions you have around money because money's not going anywhere. So the sooner you improve your relationship with it, the sooner you can do a whole lot better with this beautiful tool that we have at our exposal. Well, thank you so much. Uh, again, everyone, Money Queen is the book. It is out this week. We are so excited. I have all the links in the show notes. There it is. <laughs> and yeah, I can't wait to dive in. Thank you again for being on the show. Thank you, Leah. That's all I have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Managing Made Simple podcast, where my goal is to demystify the job of people management so that together we can make the workplace somewhere everyone can thrive. I always love to hear from you, so please reach out at leahgarvin.com or message me on LinkedIn. See you next time.